Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We're in your presence, Lord. It's the best place to be is with you. We thank you. We honor you. We bless you. Open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears. Open our spirits to hear. Open our spiritual eyes to see. Open our spiritual minds to know what it is that you want from us, that you want to impart to us, that you're doing for us in this time. We thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Thank you, Lord. So today we're going to talk about the righteous slap. Amen. S-L-A-P, in case you misunderstood what I said. Yes, I did say it. The righteous slap. Amen. And uh, we all know where that comes from. This is one of those scriptures you just skip over because you say, I know they didn't mean that. You know, but uh, <laughs> it is it is a powerful uh, scripture uh, in that it gives us to understand that there are things that will happen to us uh, in the name of righteousness and, or for righteous reasons that we may take the wrong way. We may not understand. We may not uh, think all that's necessary. You know, uh, I consider that uh, a slap is anything that startles you. Amen. And it smarts, maybe a little painful, all that kind of stuff in there. Uh, we always think of negative things as coming from darkness, but there are some things that righteousness can impute to us that may come across mostly to your carnal man, mostly to your natural man, as being maybe unorthodox, be unpleasant, or just out of order. And so when we think about those things and think about how God ministers to us, how he reaches us, and and how he uh, uh, deals with us, we, we have to get in our minds that God is, we are made in his image, so everything that every attribute that we have or that we're familiar with came from God, amen, and is part of God. And so, uh, unfortunately, with us, because of iniquity that, that we're all born in, we all have it, uh, iniquity will distort some of the attributes of God that we carry. And when God saves us, he redeems us and he cleans those, those up. And he puts us over into righteousness where uh, instead of being a lump of coal, now we're a diamond. Amen. You are always a diamond. It, you're just in the rough. You needed some polishing. You needed some, some heat put to you. You needed some burnishing, brandishing, some doors closed in your nose and all kinds of things to get you over where God wants you to be. And so this is part of God's discipline, I think it's part of God's uh, 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 ability to reach us, how he reaches us, and the different things that will go on that that are are, are to us maybe not real settling. Uh, maybe maybe I didn't see that right. I didn't hear that right. God wouldn't do that, and so so forth and so on. And uh, but but when we think about uh, things that that God does that may be a little un- unorthodox. They're righteous based on the end result, not so much on the circumstance that they happen in. So righteousness, you have to look at what is the end result of this? How did this thing turn out for these people? What what was the bottom line here? 
and uh, what can we what can we sum up? So righteous acts to be righteous means to be right. It means right standing, right thinking, right discipline, right behavior. Amen. And it it really is a a legislative or judicial decree. Uh, we are declared righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now we we don't walk in it all the time, just like we're healed because of His blood. We don't walk in perfect health all the time. We are subject to aches and pains and symptoms, but but that that healing belongs to us. It's been it's been decreed on our lives. So healing is more a part of of what belongs to you than sickness is. Even though sickness may try and dominate and get all of your attention, but at the end of the day, he, you are healed, period. See, you're, it doesn't depend on how you feel and what the natural realm speaks to you. You're still healed. Amen. And so once you understand that this is something that's been conferred on you, no matter what the the state of your your uh, condition is, it's just like when you're married. You're married till death do you part. You're never not married. If you've got problems, you're still married. If things are going well, you're good and married. Amen. So if you, you understand what I'm saying, so righteousness is is something that we've been uh, judged and found not guilty of anything anymore. I don't care what it is. It's past sins, future sins, and present sins. We're not guilty. Why? Because righteousness has been conferred on us. It's, we are, are called righteous. We are stated as right. We've been judged in the court. The highest court, uh, ever, ever is, is God's court. And He judges us righteous, so it can't be taken away from us. Now you can get act up, cut up, you know, go around and do everything you want to do, but you're still judged righteous. Sometimes the first inkling you get of it is from unsaved people. They'll tell you, I thought you were, you claim to be a Christian, how are you acting like that? See, they're calling up your righteousness for you. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So that decree follows you. I don't care what world you're living in, it still follows. So when we talk about the the righteous slap, it is a righteous act. All righteous acts are born out of the Spirit of God. They're born out of love, love, and they're born out of the desire to do good. Nobody does a righteous act with a desire to do harm or to do ill. It's always to do good. So it, it, and it is, uh, it's designed to be effective in that it will, will bring about certain results that you have to look at it. It is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Amen. It puts us in right standing with God. So what that means is that we can approach God. We can talk to Him. We can pray. We can ask Him for things. We can expect Him to do us good because of that imputed righteousness. Amen? Now, you may get confused about, you know, what to do with things, but all you have to do is repent and get back over into the state of a righteous mentality, righteous thinking, uh, 
get in your word, ask God to forgive you. Stay in that realm of humility to God and that your righteousness will be more and more effective. It'll be more and more prominent. It'll be more and more evident. Amen. We all know we have days where we don't feel so hot. You don't feel like you're on top of the mountain. Your thoughts are messed up and all of that. And 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 when we get like that, what do we do? We have to go to God and say, God, you know what? This this I'm just not right this morning. Can you help me? And you you go before Him and God, is something between me and you? Please forgive me. I gotta get this off of me because I know that I've lived in a better state with you before, and I want that back. See, that's what repentance really is, is that you recognize something ain't right with you, or something's not right somewhere, but you know what God's word says about it, and you want that, you won't, don't want where you are. That's repentance, folks. It's just that simple. And see, Christians get in this thing where they think repentance means they done done something bad, and I ain't bad, and you start to do that mind game, And put off getting close to God. Here's God waiting for you to tell him what you need. And you over here arguing about whether you did nothing, something wrong or not. Well, if you're not close to him, something ain't right. Amen? You know, if you're married and you constantly live away from your spouse, something ain't right. And you got to do something to make it right. Am I right, Poppy, what I'm talking about? I think I'm saying the right stuff here. Yeah. So it's, it's something's got to come together. And you got to find out how to get that done. And it usually is, God, please forgive me. I'm just way over here. I've been worried about this all day long. I've been thinking about this, that, and the other. I've been doing everything except worshiping you. And here I am. I need to worship you and get myself together here. You know, because this right here ain't right. <laughs> I know it ain't right. And that's, that's how we live, folks. It's, it's just, just plain and simple distancing ourselves from God and then coming back together again. Distancing, coming back. Well, that don't seem right, Barb. Yeah, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I know that it works. You want to get close to God or don't you? Amen? So so this is this is what, you know, and people say stuff like, well, it seems like I'm always asking him for something. Duh. What do you think he's there for? Window dressing? So we gotta understand these. God knows that David said, "You know our frame. You know I'm just dust. You got me. Quit being trying to be more than dust. I mean, that's what He formed us out of. That's our basic who we are. Until He imparts something supernatural and something powerful, and then we don't walk in that all the time. We walk in other things from time to time. Amen." But then we come right back again. No harm, no foul. He's glad to get us back again. Amen? It's like the prodigal. Like you you folks who are parents, you're glad to see your kids. You don't know, care how they come in. Amen? You know, you hug them, but then when you get close to them, say, boy, you dirty. What you doing so dirty? You know, but you hugged them, didn't you? See, you're glad to see them and they know it. And so that's what's important between us and God, that we're, we're appreciative of Him. So righteous, righteous acts, amen, um, they are to stop the progress of darkness. To stop the progress of darkness. They're also designed to bring everlasting life. 
to resolve problems and to spread righteousness. So the things that we do out of righteousness are done to spread righteousness to other people and to spread it to situations, to bring to bear the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's no law against righteousness. No harm, no foul. You're in right standing with God. It's all legal. Amen. Righteous acts bring a change of heart. A change of mind. And a change of behavior. Amen. They make things right and pleasing to God. Cause things to line up with God's expectation and God's will. And they bring the miracle working power of God into situations. Amen. So our scripture is Psalm 141 verse 5. He says, let the righteous smite me or slap me. It shall be a kindness. Amen. So don't get upset if one of God's people says something to you that smarts a little bit. Amen. These words are born out of love. Now, I'm not saying everything the saints tell you is right. But you know how to evaluate the situation. You know how to to pray about it and see where God is and where he is in it. But what this person is saying, he says, let even if the righteous person slap me as a kindness, you know, I don't care. You know, it's just as long as God is in it and God is trying to help me. See, if it's righteous, that means God's help is on the way. Or God's help is in it. And he said, let him reprove me. In other words, let him correct me. It shall be excellent oil. Amen. You know, people get offended about every little thing. We think an offense means the other person is wrong. Well, then we all mad, don't want to speak, go on Facebook and talk about, you know, throw shade at everybody. You throw 15 different shades of shade, hoping it'll land on that person. That person ain't even looking at your post no more. You out there looking stupid. Amen. It's the truth. <laughs> you see anything people say, uh, uh what do I say? God just took them out of your life. You're going to be lonely one day. You get to having everybody taken out of your life by God. You're going to be by yourself. I guess maybe that's what some people want. I don't know. <laughs> I like having friends myself, right, man? <laughs> I like peace between people. I don't like a whole lot of nonsense. And he says, it'll be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. Amen? So you might feel the smart of it, or you might feel the pain of it, or the upset about it, or the the confusion about it for a minute, but it won't break your head. It's an excellent oil if you let it go in. Amen? You know, some people are so determined to just stay the way they are. You know, sometimes people like being diamonds in the rough. They just like the rough part. When we going to ever get to the jewel underneath? Huh? The righteous, you know, anything a righteous person does, you should be thankful for. 
I look at it that way, thankful that they took the time to spend with you. You know, I, I, and to be honest with you, there aren't a lot of people who are, who can add to your life, you know, when you think about it. There really aren't. There's a lot of Christians out here, claim to be Christians, but you might have to weave through a whole lot of people to find somebody who really has the ingredient you need to add to your life. You might have to search many years to find that. And so once you find it, you've got to learn how to stay with that person, amen, and and draw from them and allow that process to take place where God is trying to help you and to perfect you. But at first, it may not look like help, perfection, or what you want. Why? Because we're so used to calling the shots. You know, you ought to be done with that. You really should. Just wanting what you want when you want it the way you want it. Amen? And so there are times where you might have to yield to a new type of relationship in your life of God. And understand that God is trying to get you to the next place he wants you to be. And see, the the worst thing to think is that you've arrived. Once you get comfortable thinking that no more problems, I, oh boy, phew, we got this through. It's going to be gravy, easy, smooth sailing. It never is. It's always something that, you know, because we're being developed. It's not that God wants you to have problems, but people don't usually really get serious about God until trouble comes up. And I found that out. It just is true. And we need him. We're going to have our share of trouble, period, living in this world. But when trouble comes, know that he is there to help you. And you need him. And sometimes you might get a little, feel like you're getting a little rough treatment here and there. But to the end result is your righteousness, your improvement, your, uh, 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 strength in him increases. There's some good increase that will come from that because of what you have experienced in God. And so it, it will bring a change of heart, behavior, and mind. Make things right and pleasing to God. That's what we want. I know I want that. And we'll bring miracle work, bring the miracle working power of God. Amen. And so all of these things are a result of interaction with righteousness. Whether it comes from God himself, whether it comes through the preaching, whether it comes through a conversation that you may have with, with a righteous person. Sometimes there are things that we say, um, not deliberately, that will will bring a smart or a conviction to somebody we're talking to. And before you know it, they, they've realized that God is speaking to them and he wants them to confess that and expect him to change them, you know, and, and, and do that. I was talking to a friend of mine over the phone many years ago and I don't even remember what I was saying, but it was not related to what that conversation wound up being about. Amen. But this person was laboring in guilt and, and because they had done something, they committed a sin and felt that they were so a, 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 away from God and they were just in a bind and, and there was something I said to them and I kept repeating the same word over and over and over again to them. And I just heard the sobbing on the other end of the line. And, and 
you know, the person said, you know, I, I need to confess this because it's bothering me and could you pray with me and yada yada. And, and before you knew it, yeah, gone. They, it, it had to do with their marriage. Um, that was 35 years ago. They're still married. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I would say it's worth it. To have righteousness come back into your life, get guilt off of you, understand that God has forgiven you, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it will come sometimes during these times where it's challenging to us. Amen. All good news does not come with, you know, flowers and roses and candy and all that kind of stuff. But it's still good news. Amen. When John the Baptist preached repentance, the common people were were eager to hear it but the religious who felt like they were perfect all along they just fought it they we don't need to change we're perfect you know when messiah comes he's gonna he's not gonna tell us to that we're sinners he's gonna tell us we right see and so and jesus even said that when they they accused him why are you eating with publicans and sinners why are you you know being around these kind of people and he said, you know, it's the sick that need healing. The righteous don't heal. In other words, y'all think y'all cool. You don't need me. I came for the people that know they need me. Amen. And so this is, this is just the way righteousness is. It, and, and God will use these occasions of the righteous slap, get you right back over into righteousness because it's to put you right with God. Amen. Because there's something that needs to be adjusted there. So he says, smite me, it's, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil that will not break my head. In other words, this ain't going to kill you. Amen. You may be, thought you wanted somebody to pat you on the back and tell you how wonderful you are, but you do enough of that yourself. You be amen in yourself all the time. So we, we need somebody to break us out of this nonsense. Amen. And he said, yet my prayer shall also be in their calamities. In other words, my prayer is always going to be to get rid of iniquity, get rid of, and, and this is what, what is the result of where people oftentimes will know there's something not right and they can't get it straightened out. And if they're kind of stuck in their mentality or if it's opposing the operation of faith in their life, then God will send somebody to slap them out of that and, and yank them out of it and get them back over into rightness again. So what is done in righteousness is right. It's appropriate for the situation. It is often needed and fitting and will get the job done. It's easy to take offense when people don't agree with us. Amen. We love nice prophecies. We want to receive encouragement and wealth and all that God promises. But, you know, sometimes if you've received a prophecy of good things and it doesn't happen, you need to have one that will correct you and bring you over into. Amen. So it'll work for you. You want this stuff to happen. You don't want to be stuck somewhere trying to figure out what's wrong. Suppose we are on the wrong road. Is there ever an occasion to hear something contrary to what we want to hear? 
What is spoken in righteousness will set things right. But there may be a sting to it that causes us to smart. We need to take notice at what is being said to us. God is using one of his holy vessels to set us back on course. We need often to be shaken and awakened out of our deception if we will go in the right direction. So, in, 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 we need to look at this in the word because, you know, it's easy to grab a scripture and say all kind of stuff and everything, but you need to see how it affects people and, and what it's done for them according to God's word. So in uh, the book of Luke chapter 24, you'll see a situation here. I like this uh, story because it has a lot of elements of, of, um, Jesus, how he deals with things and how much he loves us and the lengths that he will go through to help us. So it's uh, chapter 24 and verse 13, I think it starts. It says, and behold, two of them, it's talking about the disciples. Now this is after Jesus was raised from the dead. Um, people, he's been appearing to people. There have been some people who were fortunate to go look for him at his tomb uh it took faith to go there you notice not everybody went right so it takes faith to go looking for god you're looking for you they are expecting something you know uh in their in their expectation they may be hoping against hope that he's alive You see, but there's still faith involved there. And so it says two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. So it's pretty close. Amen. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden or, or not, uh, opened that they should know him. So they, they didn't recognize who Jesus was. Amen. Um, the Bible says that after his resurrection, he would come to people in a different form. Uh, and, and what that lets you know is that you need to be careful to deal with things by the spirit because many times Jesus is visiting on us in a form that we don't really expect or we don't really recognize. See, many times he comes to us in the form of people clothed in, in, in human flesh again and shows up in individuals where, where they will know that, that, uh, it will be known that Jesus is using them and that he sent them. But this was him incarnate in another form and it says here their eyes were shaded or holden that they should not know him and he said unto them what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad sad is an occasion for righteous slap and we all get them some of them feel better than others. Amen. Sometimes people will say things like, well, come on, let's pray about that. That's a righteous slap. It yanks you out of 
Amen. Now, oftentimes people will just want to stay sad and refuse it. See, you're offering kindness to somebody. They don't want it. Next time you need to come with the hammer. Amen. Amen. See, you see the progression of the necessity of things. Sometimes drastic things. Sometimes things that are unorthodox and and unusual. The other thing is the devil uses nice stuff all the time. Oh, don't feel bad. It's going to be all right. You don't know that. Amen? So don't go that route. If there's nothing righteous coming out of your spirit to say to somebody, don't say anything. Amen? You don't have to address their sad. You know, sad is an evil spirit as well. And it likes to lure people and seduce people over out of the spirit over into their emotions. You got me? And so just stay with the spirit of God. You know, stay stay with who you are. And it says here, what manner of community, and you are sad. So sad is unrighteousness. And one of them, righteousness, righteousness is love, joy, peace. It's those nine fruit of the spirit. It's not sad. Amen. Because every time the Bible talks about mourning, sadness, whatever, it tells you it's not going to last and relief is coming soon. So if you need relief from it, it must not be good. Now people get this impression, well, everybody gets sad. Yeah, but how long you stay there? There are some people who get sad and go jump off a building. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's evil. You just don't let evil stay around. He says, and one of them whose name was Cleophas, the brother, I think. Well, I don't know that, but I just smile when I see Cleophas. I say, I knew a Cleophas. <laughs> Answering said unto him, are you a stranger in Jerusalem and don't know what's going on? In other words, come down here and get sad with us. Come on now. This is how this works. It's why it's necessary to give people a righteous slap. Amen. Because they'll try to pull you into evil with them. They want Jesus to join them in mourning. Amen. Now, this is, this is something that's you. How do I explain this? Remember the scripture that says, agree with your adversary quickly while you are in the way with him. That word way was is the Latin word for road. They use the word road and way. Uh, um, when, when Jesus would say, I am the way, he meant get on the road with me and you'll get there. You'll get in the right place. So Jesus really is becomes, he described himself as a road that you walk on. As well as, you know, uh, uh, the truth and the life. I bring you truth. He said, I am those things. When you have me, you have, if you have me in you, you will walk the right way. You will obey God. You will behave yourself. So if Jesus is the way, he's the road that you take for righteousness. And so when, when that scripture says, agree with your adversary quickly, while you are in the way with him. They're talking about this road that these, these men are walking on. 
Amen? Now, it was common back in those days because a lot of people traveled by foot. When you got the, the, the roads that were already outlined were the ways people got from town to town. You know, there would be a, say like 79th Street or 55th Street. You would get on 55 and you would walk till you got to the next town. But in between, it was wilderness. There was nothing there. And oftentimes, bandits and robbers would lie in wait on the road, seeing if they could find somebody by themselves that they could jump in there, rob them. The the good Samaritan, amen, he found somebody beaten up. Robbers had beaten up somebody on the Jericho Road. That unfortunate person probably had to travel by themselves. Amen? So it was a no-no to be by yourself. That's why they said when you meet somebody, agree with him quickly while you're on the road because you might be left there for the robbers. So it's better to agree with somebody you really disagree with you know, you just say, okay, you, you know, okay, well, yeah, I like him. I, you know, I voted for him last time. Come on, get in here and walk with me. You know you voted for the other guy. But you want to make it better than being with robbers and thieves. See, you'd rather be with an adversary and just get along with them temporarily instead of getting on there and get to arguing. And you part ways and you're left by yourself. And that would happen sometimes because uh, the road was the way that news traveled from place to place. If you got in a fork where four roads met, you would stand there for a while waiting to see if somebody else was going your way. And as you stood there, you would engage in conversation with people. So somebody coming from Jerusalem was is on their way to Emmaus. They get to a fork in the road, and they start talking, and they say, Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? And see, when you part, you got the news from Jerusalem. They got the news, and y'all going to different places. So that's how news travel, too. Amen? But the the purpose of standing at the fork in the road was to wait for somebody you could engage in conversation with, have a peaceful conversation, Amen. And then you travel together. You took the road together. The Bible says, agree with him quickly while you're in the way with him. Just know, yeah, oh yeah, okay, I like that. Come on, let's go talk some more. You know, we'll go on the road. You might talk more about that or you might not have any conversation the whole time, but you got safely to your next destination. A no-no was to argue with somebody. It was just wrong. You didn't do that. You didn't chance it. Because you got into a conversation with somebody and you disagreed with them. But you'll see how Jesus uses what's unorthodox to get revelation into people. Because they get into it. Him and his little two men that he's with, they, they get into a nice little juicy argument here. And so it says here, he says, uh, and Jesus says, uh, uh, Cleophas says, are you a stranger here? You mean you don't know what went on, what has come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. Now this is this man's knowledge of who Jesus is. And he says, And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we thought, or we trusted, or we believed that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. 
And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, this guy's got all the facts. He don't put them together. See, righteousness has to put everything together for you. You can have, you talk to the average Muslim, they'll tell you, I know about more about Jesus than you do. I say, you, there's one thing you don't know, and that he died for you, and Allah is dead. You understand what I'm saying? So they got all the pieces, they know him as a historical, he was a great prophet, you know, and, you know, um, a friend of mine who puts out little tracks about Muslims was, he says that, uh, show this scripture to a Muslim. He said they all believe prophets cannot lie. Amen. And so there's a scripture where Jesus tells the guy that he prayed for that was blind and he went back into the temple. And he tells, he says, who is this Messiah? And Jesus said, I that you talk to am he. And so they like to show that scripture to Muslims. My understanding is that they believe it. And they believe Jesus is the Messiah based on that one scripture in the word. But anyway, these guys have all the pieces of the puzzle, but they need righteousness to put them together. Because what are they thinking? They're thinking, no, he wasn't the one. No, it didn't happen. No, he's he's dead and he didn't get, no, 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 this isn't. And if they're left believing that, Guess what's going to happen? They're on the road where they could meet tons of people. They're going to start spreading it everywhere. That's why Jesus comes to them. To stop the spread of unbelief. To stop the spread of doubt. To stop to put them in faith so that they would be believing that he's actually raised from the dead. Very important why he goes through the trouble to bring people into understanding of the truth. Because these men are in a position to do a lot of good, letting people know that Jesus is alive. I have seen him. And they will spread that, and it spreads like wildfire. Just like the, the knowledge of his uh, uh, crucifixion spread, now he needs to get people talking about him being raised from the dead. And so they sit here, and we trusted Verse 21, that in other words, past tense, we used to think that he was the Messiah until they killed him. Amen. Now they know somebody's already told them that they've been to the tomb and he wasn't in there. And there's word going around already that he's raised from the dead, but they can't hear it. See, unrighteousness will keep you locked in doubt, locked in unbelief. There's something people believe that's not true. And they will stick with it. They'd rather, you know, once a Baptist, always a Baptist. Or you go to certain people, I'm Catholic. I say, well, you love Jesus. Yeah. I say, well, I do too. You understand what I'm saying? There's, there's a, a place where that can be broken down. Cause see, when you go, we go out to pray for people and they say, well, I'm Catholic. What they mean? Don't touch me. Don't tell me nothing. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. So there the door's closed to truth. You're just giving truth to people. You're not giving them poison. But people will, will die for what they believe, whether it's true or not. You understand what I'm saying? So, so Jesus comes and the Holy Ghost is not scared of Catholic people or Baptist people. Or Pentecostal people, or charismatic, he ain't scared of none of them titles that are supposed to close the door to truth. You got me? 
Denominational titles, that's just religion, folks. It helps close the door to further truth. So he says here, um, and he, he says, verse 21, and he says, besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So they got everything. They got fragments of the story, but it's going to take something to pull it together for them. What's it going to take? A door, this door of unbelief to be broken down. Somebody's got to get through to these people or they're going to miss things. They're going to miss everything that they've been trusting in. See, when you've been believing God for something for a while or for a little while, he is the custodian of your faith. He's, Jesus is the finisher of these guys' faith. They told him many details that they believe. Yeah, we believe Jesus. We knew he was. We trusted that he was this. And we heard this and we heard that. And now is this and 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 today is the third day. So why do they mention that? Because they know they've heard he was going to be raised on the third day. They've been told he's alive and they don't believe it. So they're stuck. Amen. They're on the road and they're stuck on the road. Amen. And he says, and yes, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. So they got more details. You know, there's some people walking around that have been in church in all their life and nobody's ever told them if they would confess Christ, they'd be born again. They know so much about the Bible, all these details. They need a righteous slap to come in and get them over into salvation. Because, you know, they'll get into a church and, and you know, the pastor will have some kind of an altar call and nobody ever goes. And they quit having an altar call because nobody, most people don't want to get up and admit they don't know God. Everybody's sitting down there pretending they know God. and You miss some people. Until somebody comes in there that's got some kind of an anointing that can dig a little deeper. You know, one of them anointings that everybody breaks out, bust star, start crying, even the people that don't never cry. Yeah. Righteous slap. Amen. You got me? And so, so, and it's for their good. You don't want people to be faithful church goers for 30 years and go to hell. I mean, what kind of God would allow that to happen? See, God's working all the time to get people over into believing and confessing and repenting. Amen? And so he says, certain women also of our company made us astonished. Now, they got astonished, but they didn't. that astonishment did not move them into believing. So you can get excited about God. You can get excited about the good news. You can get excited about anything. But if you don't open your heart in faith, it's not going to do you any good. So they got all the details, all the elements. They've been, they've heard this, they've heard that. Like Thomas. Amen. You don't want his faith. We have a better faith than, well, you, you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unless I, you got to prove something to me and Jesus walks through the wall. I bet Thomas is still coughing and sputtering. Huh? Crawling around on the ground. You know, God knows what to do to get our attention and to convince us. Amen? It doesn't bug him anyway. You know, all them tough customers, I'm never going to, 
I'm never gonna, oh yeah, 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 well, yeah, that's good for you. You keep your religion, this isn't religion, that's the problem. You got the same religious spirit you've always had. What I have is real, that's why you're nervous. Huh? See, we know all this stuff. We trusted he was the Messiah, and it's the third day already. We'd have been astonished. They all they went. They didn't go any further than astonishment. Amen. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels. That wasn't no vision. Them was real angels. Amen. Amen. So they're diminishing. See, their carnal mind is diminishing the impact of truth. A lot of times people don't want to believe because they let their thoughts rob them of the impact of what truth would do. The first thing that, that, that would happen to these men is when truth comes to them, they're going to have to admit they're wrong. See, they made up their mind, well, he said he was the Messiah, and he's he's not. So they probably been in conversation with people that, that tell them doom and gloom. And doom and gloom is going to make you sad. That's why they're sad. They're believing a lie. Amen? And so even though they've been told all these things, so Jesus just kind of uh, sidles up to them and, you know, hey, I'm on the road. I'm walking with you guys. Uh, what are you talking about over here? You know, he's the stranger on the road, and he's alone. Amen? So it's common for people who are alone to join people as they walk and join in on the conversation. So he says to him, uh, they saw a vision of some angels, amen, and certain of them went to the sepulcher and found it, even so as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And so... They've got all this information, and yet they're holding on to unbelief because they don't want to believe it. It's not that they're not able to believe it. They don't want to believe it. They have hardened their hearts against the truth. Why? Because they've been told something that they prefer believing. They've, They've been told something that they like better. Let me just put it to you that way. And so when you're up against something that you like better than the truth, you need somebody to come and slap you over the reality if they care about you. God cares about all of us. He doesn't want us to be deceived. Deception got Adam and Eve thrown out of the garden. Jesus died to bring us out of deception. And believing what's convenient to believe. Believing what the crowd believes. Believing what everybody else believes. You know, people get miracles because they quit believing what the crowd believes. And they start, you think everybody gets healed and walks in divine health? I got news for you. It ain't that common, even among the saints of God. Amen? Everybody's sleeping around buying more Blue Cross insurance. (laughs) Poppy, help me. That's right. We be stoking up on it. You know, I got to have this because of this and this because of that. You know, I mean, ain't nothing wrong with insurance. If you meet up with something, your faith ain't there yet. But keep working on your faith. Amen. And have a plan for for getting these things resolved between you and God. Amen. 
So these men are believing these lies and not trying to believe the truth. You ever see somebody not trying to believe something? Just walk off with, you know, want to patronize you when you tell them the word or tell them you tell them what the word says. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, I know. You don't know nothing. If you knew it, you'd be walking in it. I'll say it again. You know, that's some people's pet phrase. You try to lovingly correct them. I know, and they go back and do the same thing over and over again. I say, you don't know Jack. And you don't know Jesus either. You understand what I'm saying? Not in a way where you can let him help you. You let God help you by making changes. You listen to truth. Number one, you ought to know truth when you hear it. And you listen to truth and you adjust yourself to conform to truth. Amen? That's how you get, that's how you maintain your righteousness. So when this conversation goes on in, in verse 25, he said to them, oh fools. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait, 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 hold it. Oh, what? Lord. Amen. He warns that Jesus teaches against us using that word against one another. You got me? Amen. But he uses it here. Why? He got to get through to these people. He says, oh fools and slow of heart to believe. 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 That means they have the ability to believe quickly, but they refuse to do it. Stiffen your neck, harden your heart. Amen. Refuse to believe. It's like that group that was in the wilderness for 40 years. They knew the truth. There was truth all around them. Joshua and Caleb had the truth. And they all, 80% of them chose to believe a lie. Amen. Even though the truth was right there in front of them, they had the choice to believe too, but they were slow of heart to believe. By the time they did believe, they were old and dying. And they saw, you know what? We had, we could have left here 40 years ago. I've been stuck here all this time. Why? Because I was too hard-headed and too stiffened in my heart to yield to the truth. And he says, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You see what trouble God goes through to get two people to believe the truth. Just two. And he he meets them along the side of the road. He walks along with them. He jars them into attention. When he says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe, them's parting words. You know, when you got into an argument with somebody on the road, you didn't know if they were a bandit and want getting ready to rob you. So you left them there. You split and go your separate ways. See, that ends the walking together right there. Y'all following this? Agree with your adversary. That's the wisdom. 
you disagree with your adversary that causes a breach and you go your way, they go theirs. Because you're not going to walk with anybody. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amen. So that ends the fellowship right there. That ends the relationship. Just like many people who will tr- come to us sometimes and try to give us a word of correction from God or t- try to tell us something God says, do it this way. And we want, but boom, that's the end of it. Amen. That's why people leave churches. They don't leave because they found something better. They leave because they don't want correction. They don't want God anymore. These people right now on Sundays are sitting at home or have found something else, going to flea markets, selling dead flowers. You understand me? Rather than coming to worship God. Amen? They don't want God anymore. Don't let people fool you and see it never fails. You start, try to keep company with people who are parted ways with where, where you fellowship and you'll be the next one that's gone. And it never fails. Never fails. Because that's the way the devil works it. But see, people who don't want wisdom, don't want the slap from the righteous, will do that. Throw away everything they've worked so hard in God to build up. Because they think they're different. They, their case is different. So the devil's convinced them something stupid. So anyway, he says... He expounded all the scriptures. Think of the love it takes. But see, when he rebuked them in in verse 25, that got their attention. See, he couldn't have come to them smooth and start talking. And, you know, if he if he had come up to them smooth and say, well, well, have you thought about this in the scripture? They'd have been arguing with him to this day. But you got to slap people out of stupidity and get them get their attention. And that's what the righteous slap does. It just, boop, stop it. Now come on over here and let me tell you what the truth is. And he's got their attention now. And they can, it says, and he expounded all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they drew near unto the village where they went. Now this is the end of the journey. This is where you part ways, amen. Whether you had a good walk or a contentious walk. You get to the village and it's safe to part way. So they, this guy don't agree with us and we don't agree with him. So we're going to leave him. He go his way, we go ours. And it says here, they went and as they drew near to the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. In other words, they're near the village and Jesus is just going to stay on the road. And they're going to stay here at the village. So Jesus just keeps walking, and then they do something that's totally, totally unusual. It's not protocol. You don't do this when you've had a disagreement with somebody on the road. The fear is, if you don't agree, it can escalate to an argument, to a fight. You pull weapons. So I say, man, I'm glad we at the end of this. You ever been like that? You know, you're glad you're at the end of this conversation so you can go on and go be, you know, get your normal head back again. Amen. It's the truth. It's like, you know, some of these dating.com things. You know, that's why they made one this, uh, it's just lunch. So it ain't gonna hurt you. You, you gonna, you gonna survive it because it's only lunch. 
So you get done with lunch, and if y'all don't get along, you don't have to see them ever again in life. Amen. And keep the lunch cheap. Amen. It says, but when they came to the place where Jesus would have stayed on the road and they went to the village, it says they constrained him. They begged him to stay. Interesting. See, this is the righteous result of the righteous slap. That you convert a soul over into truth. Not to agree with you and not to get along with you. But you convert a soul to pick up truth and understand truth. And understand this truth won't hurt you. This truth is to help you. If you'll listen. Amen. If you'll listen. And so he says here, they constrained him saying, well, stay with us. Huh? Because it's close to evening. You know, and the day is far spent. They're curious now. Something in them has come alive to righteousness. The sadness isn't dominating them right now. The unbelief is not dominating them right now. How did that happen? Slap of the righteous. Oh, fools, it's slow of heart to believe. Let me tell you something about the Messiah. And he expounds. And in love, he begins to break down all the scriptures. I mean, come on, y'all. That's a lot of effort. To put in to get somebody over into truth. And see, if we get mad if we go hand somebody a track and ask them if they want to pray and invite Jesus into their heart. And we get mad at them because they don't say yes. That's something to think about. How much time are you willing to invest? Because somebody's going to have to invest some time in some of these people. And it's good to ask God to send laborers, but you could be the only one. That labor is supposed to be you. You know, you easily approach people on the street, but family members, ugh, a little tough. Huh? You want to muzzle them up and bind them up and dope them up just to get them saved. You know, you can't do all that. You gotta, you gotta work some, <laughs> you gotta get some stuff in here. Amen. And it says, and he he told them, they constrained him, verse 29, saying, just stay with us. Abide with us for a while, for it's getting close to dark. They don't want to commit themselves too much using the weather or the time or something. Like, yeah, you know, it's dark already. You, you don't want to be out there on the road by yourself in the dark. Come on in here. We friends now. Yeah, because he had slapped you upside your head and got your mind unboggled. Got your mind straightened out. And he says, the day is far spent, and he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass. I like that phrase. That means the job is done. Righteousness is established. It came to pass is is generally a phrase that is used when they talk about a prophecy that God has given or a word that God has given is now in operation, it's now manifest. It says, it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to them. Amen? I am the bread of life. Every time Jesus broke bread with somebody, they were converted. Breaking bread is a sign of covenant, folks. 
he invites them into the new covenant with the truth that he's just told them. Amen? So at the breaking of bread, their eyes were opened. Amen? And and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. Amen? So that's, that's how Jesus operates many times. Once truth is established, then his job is done. Amen? Now he can move on to the next couple of guys that's talking yacht coming down the street. You understand what I'm saying? And so they he established truth in these men it, by using the, the righteous slap to get their attention. Because probably everybody they've been talking about is being agreeing with them. Oh yeah, that's terrible about Jesus. You know, well I thought he was you thought he I thought he was too. He did miracles, he did this, he did that, but they still hold on to their unbelief. They guard unbelief like it's a jewel. Amen. There's some people that want to stay in that darkness because for them to admit that they're wrong, the world's gonna come to an end. Yeah, your little crazy world will. Amen. Because God has something better for you. He's got truth for you. And truth is liberty and freedom. You're not bound up. Why would you have to guard guard a lie in your life forever? It, it doesn't do you any good. You're not impressing people. It might be okay for the crowd you're running with, but it, the more truth gets spread, that crowd is going to run thin. See, the disciples found that. They found that as they they heard about the news, heard people heard the news that Jesus was alive, that caught on like wildfire. Why? Because most people wanted him to be alive. <laughs> they wanted his word to come to pass. These two somehow are stuck in stupid, where they don't want to believe. Oh, no, I just, you know, is this too much to believe or that's too good to be true? That's the way people settle it. And they rather stay where they are. It, there's something about the human mind. We don't want to, to venture out to believe the impossible. Because we think we'll always be disappointed. No, if God's in it, honey, one day that impossible will come to pass. You understand what I'm saying? It, it, the, what does Habakkuk say? Though it tarry, wait for it. It ain't going to tarry forever. Amen. It ain't gonna be slow forever. Ain't gonna be, you ain't gonna be waiting on it forever. Amen. You just open your heart up and your mind up to the truth and that truth will come in and and you'll see the manifestation of it. And so they, they, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight and they said one to another, now here we go again. The stupid. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us? Now we've been lit on fire ever since he started talking to us. When did their hearts start to burn within them? Huh? What did he say? In verse 25. The righteous slap. When he slapped us, we went on fire. And we still was stupid walking with him. It wasn't until after Jesus had finished expounding all the scriptures and he was about to leave them that they realized they'd rather have him there in his presence 
they're still slow to believe. He's done all that. He's talked to them as they finish walking. He's getting ready to leave. Then they start waking up and under, well, maybe we need to hear a little bit more. Well, he'd have read the whole Bible to you. What more you needed? Come on, y'all. Tell me more. See, that's how gossips operate. Tell me more. You can win a gossip to the Lord. You just got to get on the way, get them on your wavelength. Amen. Absolutely. He said, didn't our hearts burn within us? They've been, they've been lit up ever since he slapped them. You got me? It says they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and then they were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Amen. And have appeared to us, uh, to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Amen. And so this, the righteousness being established, see, Jesus did not want them separated from truth. They needed to get into a company of people who believe the truth, not who believe the same thing. There's a difference. See, many times in, in Christianity, we get with people who believe like we do, whether we're all believing the truth or not. Amen? Because there's always a truth, a pill in that bunch that's going to be hard to swallow. Amen? You ever, you ever seen these people that, that take these supplements? It, some of them things is just, you couldn't give them, I mean, you know, seriously, just, some of that stuff is rough to take. You know, big pills, not all, all of them are coated. You know, some of them are rough. They get caught in your throat and all that kind of stuff. Well, people don't like that pill. They'll take it out and not take it, period, because you understand? They can handle a handful of anything else, but that one pill, they just don't want it in there because it's hard to swallow. And that's the way truth is for some people. They've been this way all their life and they, you know, I mean, I like the choir and I like this and I like that. And they told me that they're going to make me a minister. How many times have I heard that from people? You know, the devil knows when to promote you too. Anyway, you ain't been promotable all these years and all of a sudden you decide you want more life. And you know you got to leave that dead place to get it. Amen. The devil wants to hold on to people. Especially, he loves religion. Because he can tell people pretty much anything and get them hanging on to it. So you don't want people that think just like you all the time. You want truth. You want to be around be people who believe the truth. Not just anything. Or denominational stuff. Or we don't believe this over here. We don't believe, I don't like unbelievers. Get me around some believers, folks. You know, you're going to have fellowship around what you don't believe. How long is that list? You want to be around people who believe. Amen. Even if they believe in wrong, at least they put the effort toward it. You know, God will give you the truth at some point. And so he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And so now they're able to get into a company 
where people are expecting more truth. They're expecting to hear, number one, Jesus has more to tell them. He's got more people to visit. He's got more appearances to make, to reveal himself to people. He does a thorough job, folks. It's it's not hard for him to convince people what the truth is. And it's it's not, he's not, he doesn't care what it takes to get truth into people. Amen. He just wants us to believe. So he'll go to whatever lengths he needs to go through to get us convinced. That's what he'll do. That's how much he loves us. So they were able to join the rest of the disciples. They began to form a community of believers. And at at the day of Pentecost, there were over 500 people standing there that saw Jesus ascend back up into heaven. Amen. And and wait for the power from on high. Well, not Pentecost, but it went at his ascension. Pentecost was 50 days after that. But they were all told to wait for the comforter, for to wait for power from on high. How is Jesus going to get that crowd together if he didn't appear to people and convince them that he was raised from the dead? He was the same Messiah. Amen. He even went as far as to show um, uh, Thomas his hands and his side. Amen. And to show him. That he, this is the same body that hung on the cross. Amen. It's different now, but I'm the same Jesus that was raised from the dead. Amen. And, and the angel told them this same Jesus. Amen. Because he knows that the devil will start to invent other Jesuses to present to people. So we are all entitled to see his scars. We are all entitled to see the nail prints, all of that, because it is the same Jesus. He really is raised from the dead. And so that was the convincing that he needed to do to these gentlemen. I just think it's so loving, you know, that he would go through that trouble. He himself would come down, explain things to people, whatever. You know, some of the, the... the uh, ministers that have had visitations from the Lord, you know, the love of God to take you aside, to care enough about you understanding truth, about you believing what's right. You know, many of them got, got understanding of what their ministry was through visitation from the Lord. Amen. And so he cares that much to come himself. And get people straightened out. So I just think it's wonderful. I really do. And and so the righteous slap is to break that chain of unbelief. Break that yoke of pride. Break that yoke of hard-heartedness and stiffness. See, stiffness is something you decide to do. This, you, the devil don't have you in bondage. You just make up your mind. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And some people have been like that all their lives. You know, my parents used to say that poor Dewey's, my oldest sister, with her being the oldest, you know, she had to be a little more mature or whatever. You know, some of them older ones pretty rough and tough to you. You know, you find a way to get close to them. You know, children, she always loved babies. She always loved children. You know what I'm saying? So that was where her soft spot was. But my daddy would say, no, I can't, you don't tell Louise nothing. That girl will argue with a signpost, you know. <laughs> 
and she'd get her little hands on her hips and shake her little finger in somebody's face. It was just, you know, that's just who she was. Amen. Well, God can use that. But sometimes people have been hard to slow to believe all their lives. They just want to hold on to something. I don't know what it is. You know, they just need to get another toy to hold on to. If it's keeping you from hearing God's truth, just find you something else to get you another binky to hang around your neck. But, you know, it's just sometimes it's just a relic from from days gone by. We just want to hang on to something. Just don't want to change. We ain't going to change for nobody, you know. And so we need to be open to change. You need to let God soften your heart tell you the truth amen so that you can get truth we're not talking about some emotional thing we're talking about truth penetrating that hardness and bringing you up into a higher place in god you know righteousness where you can can now walk in that power see these gentlemen when they left this conversation with jesus they had a whole lot more power than they had when they met him they were walking and sad, countenance dragged on, spreading sadness around everybody. Now they got the truth. They can rejoice. They can go join the other disciples and they can share in the conversation of good news instead of saying, sharing in the conversation of sadness. Amen. Which, which company would you rather have? See, truth will make you fit in with the right company. Amen. Even if you're the, the the one that don't know the most about anything, you can be the newbie. You know, you can be the one new one on the block. But you're in the right company. Amen. That's where you want to be. You want to be in the right company. So Jesus was able to elevate them. He was able to place them in their proper place. Amen. Before they weren't believing, now they're believers. So they have reason to rejoice. Amen. Praise God. And so it says in verse 36, as they thus spake, Jesus himself, confirming what he just did, stood in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Look at my hands and my feet. It's me. So those same gentlemen that he just revealed himself to, even though they have gladness, amen, that's, that's one step in the process. You need, you need evidence on top of gladness. Amen. Remember, remember the, the parable about the seed and the soil? The, the seed that was thrown, the strown on by the wayside, you know, the, the sun came up and it never got planted. The seed that, that sprang up for a while, you know, the soil that it was planted in, it, it grew up for a while and they received it with gladness. They heard the word joyfully, but in the time of trouble, the word got choked out and it wasn't fruitful. So this is why Jesus follows them, to get that word firmly planted on the inside. What love? I mean, come on, folks. we so scared about somebody hurting our feelings by telling us the truth. And that's just the beginning of our development. See, you get beyond that little 
righteousness. Now, some people hang on to that. I've heard people say stuff like, well, yeah, Pastor Barbie, she rebuked me. That's all they remember and haven't grown one little bit. They hang on to the offense. You know, you want to go, I didn't slap you hard enough. You need to get over yourself so you can start maturing and growing. Quit making the same mistakes over and over again. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he had to follow up on that. Because you can receive the word with gladness and be all happy, happy, happy and rejoice and dance around and all that kind of stuff. Wear out the carpet. You understand what I'm saying? And still lose the fruit of that word. It never gets to be productive in you. Why? Because the minute you go out there and the devil tells you, well, she's preaching that hard. She didn't have to go that hard. She's talking to you. I was talking to everybody in here. Myself included, and them on the internet too. People say, oh, is she talking to you? Yeah, I was in there. What do you think? I'm, that's why I go and preach to the wall when y'all, you know what I'm saying? You think I'm talking to? <laughs> I need to be glad for it. You understand? At least you ain't a stupid town. With them people giving their tithe to a man that's fornicating and bringing new babies into the church. I mean, rejoice and be exceeding glad. He said, look at my hands and my feet. That it's me. And handle me. You touch me now. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones. This is what I have. He ain't a spirit. Is him. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, You got any meat? Got anything? He's still proving to them. He's, you understand what I'm saying? And he never stops proving himself to us. He is yet proving himself to unbelievers. He'll do it through us if we'll cooperate long enough for him to use us. If we get get done taking selfies and posting them on social media and start really preaching the gospel. Just saying. Ain't throwing no shade, but if you're feeling it, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Alright. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for the righteous slap. That is able to bring us out of darkness. It breaks the yoke of the enemy's grip on our hearts and our minds. And we know you developed it so that you have a way to reach us. You always have a way to reach us, Lord. So we thank you for it, Lord. And we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. And